Oh, how good and pleasant it is when brethren live together in unity. In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. This week, our gospel passage is difficult. It's a passage that scholars and theologians have struggled with over and over again for generations. And that's because really no one likes what it appears to say. No one is comfortable with this story unless they can find a way to rationalize it. And the truth is that many people do. There are lots of people who have explained away this story saying that it doesn't say what we think it says. It just couldn't. That's just not possible. Jesus wouldn't do that. But here's the thing about scripture. We can learn about the context and we can study the historical background. We can study and expand our understanding. We can visit the original language and look deeply at the words and the way those words are used in other places. But no matter what we do, ultimately, we have to contend with what the text actually says. We have to look at what's actually there. And that doesn't mean that we're always going to like what we find. We don't get to pick and choose the parts of scripture that we like and the parts that we don't. So we can learn about it. We can change our understanding. We can set it within the larger context of the whole body of writing. But we have to actually look at what's there. And sometimes, like this morning, that means that we won't always have a perfect answer, a, a neat, tidy explanation. Today we hear a fairly simple story. A woman comes to Jesus because her child is sick. And she wants him to come with her to her town, to her village, to her house, to heal her child. And first, because she isn't Jewish, he completely ignores her. And what we know about Jesus so far at this point in his life and in his ministry is that he has come to be the Jewish Messiah, to save the Jewish people. So when she asks for help, Jesus is tied up with his disciples. They're busy, they're in the middle of things, and they're just about getting ready to go off somewhere else, really in search of rest. The disciples really are tired and are needing some rest. But even though he ignores her, she persists. Because moms with sick kids are like that. Moms with sick kids are tough and you really can't get much by them, especially if their kid is really sick. So when the disciples want to send this woman away and Jesus tells her and everyone else that he came for the house of Israel, for the Jewish people, she goes and she kneels down before him and she says, Lord, help me. And now Jesus tells her that leaving his mission to go with her, diverting his energy for someone who isn't part of his people, helping her would be like taking the food from the table the food intended for the children of God, and giving it to the dogs. And still she doesn't give up. But before we can look at what she says next, we have to pause and look at what he says. Because what you might not know is that Jesus is using a racialized word. The Gentiles were characterized, stereotyped by the Jews as dogs. It wasn't quite as bad, maybe not quite as aggressive as some of the racial slurs that you might think of today. Scholars argue that it isn't quite as dramatic, but certainly what he's saying isn't good. It was a common image to the point that the image of Gentile dogs turns up occasionally in literature, even in graffiti on the sides of ruined buildings. So what Jesus is saying is not a compliment. A friend of mine whose mom used to teach elementary school used to say to her all the time when she was growing up that before she thought about what she was going to say, she should ask herself if it was kind, if it was helpful, if it was polite. 
And the answer to all three of those questions in this case is no. At best, what Jesus is saying is a racialized insult. And truthfully, that is hard for any of us to hear, to take in because of who he is and because of who we know him to be. Which is why so many people have tried to discredit and dismantle this story, to rationalize it and to push it away and to say, there must be something wrong with this text. There's another version of this story in Mark in which he doesn't tell us that Jesus says that at all. But as Anglicans, we look at scripture in a very particular way. We believe that the Holy Spirit was present as the Bible was put together. We believe that scripture is alive, that it has something to say to us. And so even in the hard stories, even in the places where something might have been recorded wrong, even in the stories that we have evolved beyond and progressed beyond with tradition and understanding and the help of the spirit, there are still lessons to learn. And this text is no exception. As Anglicans, our understanding of Jesus is that he is both human and divine, which means that he grew up in this world with us, with other people. And that means that, like us, he was exposed, just like we are, to categories and stereotypes, to power and privilege, to the human tendency to exclude and to characterize people of other races with negative words in ways that make them clearly the other, clearly different from us. The human part of Jesus would have been influenced by the unjust system in which he grew up. There's no way he couldn't have been where Gentiles didn't get along with Jews, where people were pitted against each other for the sake of politics, power, wealth, and survival. Like us, he grew up in a world where the story was one of scarcity, where he was told that there wasn't enough to go around, as if the whole world was a pie and there was only enough for just one group. And giving some of it up to help someone else to see that it was more fair meant less for you and less for your family. So Jesus uses a word that he grew up with, and this woman takes in this word, which some people say is a test, that Jesus is testing her to see how she'll respond. But regardless, she comes back to him and says, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs under the table that the children drop. And because of this response, Jesus heals her child without having to go to her village or her home from a great distance from just where they are, he heals the child. The woman shows great faith in him, hope in him, and love for her child, and Jesus responds. And what we see, what is really present in the story, no matter how much we argue about some of those pieces, what's really there is Jesus the Messiah going outside, above, around the human system that he grew up in. What he does is step outside the system that has encouraged him to use words like that. He steps outside the system that would have continued to encourage him to ignore her, to not help her, to keep what he had for himself and for his immediate family, to think that he only had enough power, enough mercy, enough love, enough time for one group of people, for the people who were closest to him. And this becomes one of the stories, one of the moments when we begin to understand that Jesus didn't just come for one people, but for the whole world. This is one of the early moments where we begin to see his mission and his work open up and point us toward our understanding that salvation is for all people. And that is really good news for us, because you and I, we, just like this woman in the story, almost all of us, with just a few notable exceptions that I'm aware of in the congregation, almost all of us 
We're not ever part of the covenant that God made with Israel. We are of a different race, at least within the context of this text. And so we would have been left out of God's salvation if it weren't for Jesus overcoming the limited human categories he grew up with. If he couldn't see beyond what the human part of him might have learned, we would never have been saved. So this is where our heritage and our inclusion comes from, this moment and other moments like it, when love overcomes hate, this moment when the divine goodness of God steps over the hatred and the limitations of mankind, this moment when we begin to see more of the Jesus that we come to know as he grows into his ministry and develops a new life for all of us. This is one of the moments where we come to realize that he has come for everyone, loves everyone, and calls us to love each other. This morning, the gospel invites us to examine what we have learned, what racialized words, what experiences, what stereotypes the world has ingrained in us, and to do the work to step outside them. Jesus shows us by example this morning that with God's love, we can step over those systems and over those stereotypes, that there is life beyond them for everyone, and that there is more than enough to go around. Because in God's economy, there is always an abundance, room for everyone at the table, food so that everyone is filled. And we who are called to build the kingdom of God can see in this text this morning that this is the abundant, equitable kind of place that we are called to build. Where love steps outside of and steps over hate, where love and healing and salvation and peace are for all people. Amen. Amen.